Welcome to the first of two Bureau 42 podcasts for Halloween 2014. Perhaps the Count will find a way to make his monster work today. For if he solves this monster mania, he can return to Transylvania. So welcome where the sun won't shine to the castle of Count Frightenstein. Deluzio, and that was the voice of Vincent Price, horror icon, the guy who raps on Thriller, and he was also the host of the Canadian cult kitty television show from the 70s, Hilarious House of Frightenstein, and we're here with Mitch Markowitz, who was the associate producer of the show and uh, also played Super Hippie. Welcome to the Bureau, Mitch. I'm happy. I'm already a fan. Okay, well, thank you very much. Did you ever imagine the show was going to still be discussed 40 years later? Yeah. I'll tell you the honest truth. We didn't think the show would be discussed a year later. We, we shot 130 episodes, as you know. That was a year's worth of product for CHCH. And we thought if it ran the full year, that would be terrific. And then it would just sort of sink into oblivion. No, no one in the... In the wildest dreams ever thought that it would be on five years later, ten years later, let alone 44 years later, and at the time, we thought we were recording it, which we did, actually, for CHCH. Again, in our wildest dreams, we never thought that it would be playing across Canada in syndication through the United States and abroad. I, I thought it'd be long a time and watched it in Norway and Spain, and it just never ceases to amaze me. The legs that that uh, show had in regards to the length of time it ran and the distance it went. Yeah, it's, I mean, I myself, I uh, know the show from when I was a kid in the 70s in northern Ontario, and uh, it was a popular after-school show because they had it in the after-school slot, and then it suddenly reappeared years later when I was in university as something that, uh, you know, a subsection of university students sort of tuned into for reasons you we can speculate about. I certainly can. Do you, do you know the story, speaking of universities, about my son and, and the show? No, go ahead with that. All right. My son, uh, we were hoping, my wife and I were kind of hoping that he would pick a school close to home. We live in Toronto. And that he would pick a school like Western or, or McMaster or something within, you know, a couple of hours of the city. And most of his friends did actually opt to go to the Western. But, you know, my son came down from his bedroom one night and uh, he just got off the computer and he said, you know, I think I'm going to apply to the University of British Columbia. And much to my chagrin, because I don't like to fly. As you know, Vancouver is about four, four and a half hours away from Toronto. But there wasn't much we could do. We didn't get a real vote. He applied and he got awarded a scholarship and 
Vancouver. So my wife and I went with him to get sort of settled into the school and registered and, and settled into the dormitory. And we stayed uh, a few days and then came back to Toronto. The day after we left, his room in the dorms was on the third floor. The day after we left, he went downstairs, he told us, to the second floor, which is where the common room was. And he walked past the, the doorway, which was closed with an open arch, into the common room. And there were a bunch of kids sitting around on sofas and chairs and things, watching a big screen TV. And sure enough, they were watching Players House of Frankenstein. And about two seconds later, just by sheer coincidence, I went flying by. The superhero character went flying by on the screen. And my son inadvertently just sort of blurted out, Oh my God, that's my father. Needless <laughs> to say, for the next three years of his, his stay at, at, uh, at University of British Columbia, he was treated with a whole new reverence on campus. You know, he walked by and looked at that super hippie son. But that's the University of British Columbia story. Yeah, super hippie junior. Yes. The show is remembered for a number of reasons, but one of them is clearly its host. You were able to get a horror icon, Vincent Price, uh, someone who was part of the broader culture, uh, someone who had appeared in uh, numerous horror movies and was, was very identified with the genre, uh, who would appear on a couple of rock albums, uh, pop albums, uh, ultimately, uh, Ellis Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare and Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, who also did voice work in, in the 80s in Scooby-Doo, uh, but certainly very much an icon uh, for his movies. What was it like to work with Vincent Price? Vincent was a terrific guy. Um, actually, most people think that big stars, big Hollywood stars or international stars are, are snobs and they're stuck up and they're this and that, but it's just absolutely not true, certainly about him. He was one of the nicest people I've ever worked with. We were together for about four days in total. He was absolutely a prince. Uh, just a, a quick little anecdote about Vincent. Most celebrities, when they come onto a set, whether it's a movie set or, or a television set, you know, they're, they're friendly, if anything, they're friendly to the other members of the cast, introduce themselves and chat a little bit or what have you. That is, if they're not, you know, elitists or snobs and just ignore everybody on the set. Very rarely do they have any kind of relationship with the crew. Vincent, on the contrary, when he got to Hamilton, he went around and introduced himself to each and every member of the crew that was working at, uh, on, on our show. Shook hands with them, chatted for a minute or two with each other, them, and then later in the day he went out and came back about 20 minutes later with two 24-pack bottles or cases of beer and uh, he sort of shared a drink with everybody. Posed for a, there weren't selfies back then, but he posed for a photograph with each member of the, of the crew individually, and he made sure they all got copies and he signed them. He was just a wonderful guy. So it's actually really refreshing to hear. Well, the other thing, of course, about the show, just the sheer weirdness of the show, you know, the gorilla, and I think there was a mosquito. Yeah. And, you know, Dracula, or not, the Count, and the sort of mini-Count, and uh, just a little bit of perspective on that before we move on to the next topic, because I think that's that's what especially a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of the older viewers, and I think the younger viewers as well, remember about the show was just how completely off-the-wall strange it was. Well, that's very true, and apt description, and I can be quite frank and honest with you in telling you that some of the 
Pick up 
He is exactly like you in every way. Except one-eighth your size. Breathtaking. I shall call him... Mini. So that was sort of the, uh, the icing on the cake that, that was a real, a real, um, a, a terrific dealing that uh, a star as big as Mike Myers and as successful as Mike Myers would, would give us credit for inspiring him in the Lost Valley movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of the uh, sort of the imagery and the characters uh, for the show, Hilarious House of Frightenstein, were, were heavily influenced in terms of the visuals and so forth by the, the Universal Monster movies from the 30s and 40s. Sure. Sure. How much were you sort of consciously thinking of those films, or was it just that they were, I mean, they were part of the pop culture, so it was very easy to draw upon them because people knew them even if they hadn't seen them? The latter. I don't think we ever reviewed or viewed those shows and, and made notes and said, here, we could take this, we could take that. It just didn't happen that way. It was all subliminal. I mean, we had watched those shows growing up, those movies, I should say, and were, you know, so those thoughts were all firmly embedded in everybody's mind. I mean, everybody had seen those, well, everybody. A lot of people had seen those movies numerous times. And uh, as you say, they were, they were sort of part of pop culture. They were, the memories were there, and, and you didn't have to reach very deep to say, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this. And uh, obviously those movies inspired us and lots of other people who, who sort of continued the, the genre, whether it was in a funny vein or a straight vein or whatever. I've always been impressed by the persistence of those films and the cultural memory of North America especially Universal's take on the Frankenstein monster. I'll never forget lots of scenes from The Mummy, the original Mummy. Uh, I loved that movie, and I, I loved the, the canon leaves and the, seeing The Mummy all wrapped up and starting to move. And so I remember the movies, you know, vividly at times and a little less vividly at other times. But, you know, I don't remember anything specific that, that we said like I said, let's, let's take that out of that film and put it into our show. Once we started rolling with the show as far as writing and the conceptual aspect, it just sort of all just poured out onto the table. It was just, uh, there were never-ending thoughts emanating from us and from the writers. And again, we were all inspired by those universal picture films. Um, other horror characters, needless to say, the Wolfman, from us growing up watching Long Jenny as the Wolfman and uh, just sort of, you know, it evolved from there. I forget whether Frankenstein predated Wolfman Jack, the disc jockey. Yeah, no, he goes back to the uh, the late 50s. So, okay. yeah. Well, there you go. Then he was an influence as well. Um, and uh, it, it just, the characters all evolved. The professor we need in order to sell the show to CHCH after CHCH to be able to get it past the CRTC which had certain requirements while it was a, a, some level of educational value we decided we would have a professor my brother and I were both big 
off trying to be amusing. But he had an interesting look with that hair all over the place and uh, a good act, although it wasn't an act, it was really him. And it was educational. So we got in touch with him and he came on board. And between him and Barana Clyde with the, uh, the different animals every day, slowly but surely we were able to get through the percentage of educational content that the CRTC required. Okay, well, uh, really thank you very much for your, for your time and, uh, and doing this interview and, um. That was Mitch Markowitz, associate producer and actor on the 70s cult classic, Hilarious House of Frightenstein. We hope you tune into our second Halloween podcast, which is also part of our ongoing podcast series addressing the best SF films of all times, as determined by you in our tournament, The Bride of Frankenstein. This is J.D. Deluzio, and have a happy Halloween, and remember, if you're old enough to shave any culturally appropriate part of your body, you shouldn't be begging for candy. Go to a party! Watch horror movies. Or listen to podcasts. The castle lights are growing dim. There's no one left but me and him. When next we meet in Frankenstone, don't come alone.